I believe in the power of the gospel. Um, not just to save sinners, but to continue to save sinners. You know what I mean? Um, there are things in my life and things in your life that continue to disrupt re- our relationships. And there are things that happen in our lives that continue to break our hearts. There are things in our lives that we don't feel like we can get up and face every day. Uh, there are things that happen, um, you know, the, there are things in our, in our hearts that we have that disrupt our relationship with God, with other people. And, uh, you know, the kind of crazy thing is, is that the, the biggest hindrance I have turns out to be me so many of the time, so much of the time, you know. Uh, and um, let, me, let me give you just an example or two of that. Um, you know, I'm a, has a, the coach from OSU, so what did he say? Uh, I'm a grown man, I'm 40. Well, I'm not quite 40, but I'm pretty much a grown man. Uh, uh, you all know what I'm talking about, that little rant from last year. That's kind of funny. makes me laugh every time I think about it. But anyway, um, you know, I'm a grown man, but, and I've been walking with the Lord here. I've been a Christian for about 23 years, which seems like a long time. It's hard for me to believe, actually. Huh. Anyway, for a long time. But I still struggle with sin. Um, and I know we all kind of, yeah, yeah, we all struggle with sin, but... But uh, let me just tell you a, a little bit about just how things happen and maybe how sometimes we just give ourselves a pass. Um, you know, when a child doesn't get their way, they sometimes throw a little temper tantrum, you know? They'll kick, they'll scream, their face will turn red. Some of them will hold their breath, you know, uh, and, and that kind of thing until they get what they want, you know? Um, unfortunately, I see that in me occasionally sometimes. <laughs> I don't hold my breath anymore. Uh, I don't kick and scream. I don't stomp my feet. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, ball and throw a fit, but I still get upset when I don't get my way sometimes. And here's the funny thing is, is that you do too, huh? We still have a little bit of that two-year-old inside of us that just demands that I get my way. I get what I want, and I'm upset when I don't get it, and, and, uh, and uh, the people around me pay the price. I'll give you just a quick, a quick example. Um, I came home, I think it was last Friday uh, a week ago, Friday a week ago, I came home, and in my mind, I hadn't, you know, Brenda had been gone the previous weekend, and I hadn't got to see her over the weekend because she'd been at Women of Faith, and I hadn't got to spend a lot of time with her, and in my mind, I just thought, up, man, Friday night, we finally don't have anything to do, uh, musical wasn't, wasn't happening that night, and, and uh, in my mind, I just thought, this is going to be a time, I'm just going to spend the evening with Brenda, we're just going to get some time together, I'm going to rent a movie, we'll like just be louses and lay in bed and watch a movie and just, and just hang out together. And, uh, I, you know, I'm pretty fond of that woman. That was going to be a good night for me. That was going to be, you know, that was exciting to me. Uh, I'm not a big movie watcher, but, you know, you put that woman beside me, I'll watch, you know, pretty much anything you put in front of me. As uh, long as, like, she gets to, you know, I like to, well, anyway, get to hold her beside me. So, uh, but, you know, but I got, here's what happened that night is that Friday I got home and Brenda's like, we've got to do this and we've got to do this and we've got to do this. And immediately, my balloon just started deflating. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, honestly, inside was happening was I was in, inside. There's a little two-year-old temper tantrum in me. This is not what I wanted to do tonight. I didn't want to be running around. I didn't want to be doing those things. And the things that we, she had for us to do, they were the right things to do. They were things we needed to do. But I didn't want to do them. And so my attitude was terrible all night. And she finally said, what is the matter with you? And, of course, being a man, I said, nothing. <laughs> and part of that's being a man and being a little too proud to admit it. I know it's the male ego, isn't it? But the other thing is being a man, I'm so disassociated with what's going on with me emotionally, I really didn't have a clue 
But uh, finally, it came out, and she asked me, I was like, okay, I know I'm not acting right. I know, this, I know there's something wrong. I know I'm acting all irritated. And then it finally dawned on me, is it, I'm upset because I didn't get my way. I didn't get what I wanted. And I'm throwing a little two-year-old tantrum, making everyone else around me miserable because I didn't get what I wanted. Yeah. Um, those kinds of things happen to us all the time, and we seldom take it very seriously, you know? Maybe someone at, at work or at school or maybe one of our family members did something or said something and we lashed out in anger and said something to them that we shouldn't have said and our defense is, well, they made me mad. Or, you know, I, well, I was hoping to, you know, I could have told Brenda, well, I was hoping to spend an evening with you, but we're doing this, so I'm just going to be grouchy or grumpy all, all night. Is that the way we need to treat our spouses? Is that the way that... Is that the whole passage from Ephesians chapter 5 about Paul? Paul wrote we how men are supposed to treat their wives? No, it's not in there like that, is it? When my kids mess up, and, and uh, you know, this happened just this week. <laughs> Brenda was taking a bath. She was, uh, she'd been a little sick, and, and uh, Brenda was taking a bath, and I was kind of dealing with the kids, and all three of them had homework that they needed help on, and I tell you, that gets frustrating to me. And the reason that gets frustrating to me is I'd rather be doing something else. Funny, huh? funny. Uh, and so I got, I was frustrated and Jessica was being a little bit uh, bullheaded. Is she in here? Okay, good. Uh, Je Jessica was being a little bit stubborn, a little bullheaded. And finally, I uh, let her know how I was feeling about her stubbornness. And Brenda came in the room and said, who are you yelling at? at? And I said, oh, was I yelling? <laughs> you know, uh, but, but it happens all the time. And so uh, it, those kinds of things happen all the time and we're irritated and we're irritable or we're, or we're, or we're down or, or we're frustrated or, or whatever. We're angry or whatever. And we have those things inside of us. And honestly, folks, let me tell you, it's all sin that continues to reside in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts, that continues to reside there, right? What should have been when Brenda came up with and said, well, we need to do these things tonight, what should have been happening if I was exhibiting a Christ-like attitude is, ah, I had different plans for tonight, but you're right, those things are important. Let's go do that. Instead of being what punishing to everyone that I, that I, that we, I didn't get my way. Or when my children all have things that they have going on and my daughter's being stubborn, to take the time instead of yelling at them, to take the time in helping them, forgetting what I had to do that night or what I wanted to do that night and actually help them with their homework and not be frustrated and upset, even though homework is frustrating and upsetting. Right? It's funny what happens. You know, I remember uh, um, something that uh, uh, I can't remember if it was Tim. I think it was Tim Kettering had done. He took a, a glass of water and he had someone come up and he said, All right, now, now I want you to take this glass of water and I want you to shake it and tell me what happens. And so he took the water and he shook it. And of course, what came out? The water came out and spilled over the floor. And he said, Why did, why did water come out? And he said, Well, because he shook it. And he said, No, because the glass had water in it. You see, it's those times that we're shaken and tested that we see what's inside of us, right? Jesus says it's not what comes from outside a man that makes you unclean. It's what com comes from the inside that makes us unclean. So, you know, when those things come up in our lives that are a, a, a bit of a test or a trial for us, we like to give ourselves a pass. Well, yeah, I said that to them because they made me mad. Is that according to the scriptures? Is that the attitude we're supposed to have? Well, yeah, I was grouchy and upset because I, I wanted to have a different evening than we had. Is that, really, is that really the character of Jesus Christ in you? No, that's something else entirely, isn't it? 
So, um, I'm sorry, so moving on our slide. But here's the deal. Before I I go on, I want to say to you is that those of us who grew up as Southern Baptists have grown up with a great tradition for evangelism and salvation. Amen? A great tradition, a great focus on evangelism and conversion and all those things, which is really wonderful. I don't say anything negative about that. But sometimes what's lacking in there is that what do you do with people after they're saved? What's the plan for carrying on? Because, you know, we all say, it's funny, this morning we sang two songs that had Hosanna in it, right? Hosanna means what? Save us. Yeah, Lord, save us. Save us. Why do you sing that today? You've already been saved, right? We're, we've been saved, but we're also in the process of being saved. We've been redeemed, but it, we're still in the process of, of redemption, Right? Uh, and so we have this kind of a great tradition about evangelism and, and salvation and, and conversion, but we don't know very much what to do with people once they're converted, you know? Once they've actually come to Christ, then what do you do with them? Well, here's the deal, is the plan was not that God would just get someone saved and say, okay, I'm going to set you up on the shelf like a, like a bottle of jelly uh, preserves, like a jar of jelly preserves, and wait until heaven, and then I'm going to empty the jar of you, and then there, you get to be in your supernatural body and all this other stuff. That's not the plan. The plan is, is that you and I would continue in our salvation. Amen? that the sin that we still have in our lives that we give a pass to, that God would continue to root out and make us more and more like Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians would say that we'd become more and more, uh, reflecting more and more the glory of Jesus Christ, glory after glory, more and more reflecting uh, the image of Jesus Christ. Yeah? That's the plan and that's the, the process that he's got prepared. And here's the deal. I have to believe that if God can save anyone, he can continue to save me. You know what I'm saying? That there's hope for people who struggle with sin even after their conversion to Jesus Christ. There's still hope for them because the gospel is that powerful. That there's hope for people even after they've been saved. There's hope for people who continue to struggle with heartache, who, for, for people who struggle with bitterness. That there's still hope for you that the gospel is going to continue to work in you and God is going to continue to work out your salvation. That there's hope for you uh, in, in all kinds of things. In, 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 in substance abuse, there's still there's hope for you that the gospel is going to make a difference and you'll be changed as you walk with God for, for sometimes maybe it's years or decades, but there is hope for you for something better and something greater. That we're not just in a holding pattern here, but we're in, a pa- we're in a time of our lives, once you've received Jesus Christ, that you're not just waiting, but in the waiting we're being renewed. We're being made new. We're being continually being saved. Are you with me? There's hope for me. And you know, I remember, tell me if this has happened in your marriage. I remember with Brent and I is that we just got to the point where we just thought this is hopeless. Because we had tried to do better over and over and over and over again, you know? And Brenda would come to me and she said, you know, I think we need to go to counseling. And I said, no, I'll just try harder. And I would try harder and we'd end up in the same place over and over and over again. And it didn't matter how hard I tried, we could never get to the point that we could get on the same page together, that we could experience any intimacy together, any unity, any love for any amount of period of time uh, any long period of time, and what happened to happen? What what had to happen for us is that we had to be changed. It didn't matter how hard I tried. 
I was still a lousy sinner and a lousy husband, and God had to make changes in me over, t- over the time period of years until the time came that I could, he changed my character enough that I was a lovable guy, you know? At least a little more than I was. All right. But here's the deal is that there's hope for people like you and me. There's hope for people who've struggled with sin. There's hope with pe- for people who've struggled with bitterness. There's hope for you even if you've struggled with unforgiveness in your life. There's hope for you uh, when you've battled uh, you know, ver- anything in your life. There's hope for you, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, you know, insecurities, no matter what it is, there is hope for you in the gospel. I believe in the power of the gospel, do you? And it's not just to forgive sins. It is a restoring, it is a, a peacemaking, it is, a, uh, it, it is an amazing thing. But let's, let's get on with it. Here's the, here's the thing. This is, uh, so this was part of the conference. I, I, uh, it was funny, I told Clay, or Sherilyn called me and asked me what I'm going to preach about. And I told him I'm going to preach over uh, community. And he called me the next day and he said, well, guess what? There's a guy at Trinity Baptist Church in, Can- in uh, Amarillo who's, uh, who's given a conference on redemptive community. Listen, I heard that phrase back, it's probably been a year or two ago, redemptive community. And I'm going to be explaining a little bit about what that means. But anyway, so a lot of what I'm taking today is actually from that seminar. Dr. Paul Tripp is the one who, uh, who gave the seminar. But let me go through this here just a little bit. The first thing is that you're a sinner in need of grace. I'm a sinner in need of grace. My need for grace has not decreased since I've become a Christian. Did you hear me? My need for grace has not decreased since I've become a Christian. If anything, I'm more aware of my need for grace, not less. Are you with me? Does that happen in your life? Can you, I've demonstrated this over and over. Uh, it, it's me. And not only that, I'm also a person in desperate need of help. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. Y'all just mark that in your minds. I'm also, and you also are a person who's in desperate need of help. The next thing, though, is that not only are we uh, uh, a, a sinner in need of grace, but we're also a child of grace. Because of what God's done, and he's adopted us into his kingdom, he's demonstrated and shown us grace. So I'm a sinner in need of grace, but I'm also a child of grace. I'm a child of God. I've been adopted into his family by his grace. Um, the other thing that's really amazing about that is that because God has shown me grace, I can now face my sin. I can look at it and, and not be afraid of it and feel like it might overwhelm me if I actually looked into my heart and, and saw what ugliness was there. I can actually look at sin and know that from God I have grace for that sin and I'm not afraid of it. Yeah? That's an amazing, amazing gift. We'll get into another time. The next thing here is, though, is that you and I continue in sin, don't we? And that sin is disruptive of your relationships it, with God. It robs you of joy. It, it disrupts your relationships with the people around you. It disrupts your relationship with God. It interrupts you from being able to follow God's calling on your life. And it brings guilt and it brings shame into your life. Yeah, doesn't it? Doesn't it? You know, it's an amazing thing is that I can... I can be, uh, you know, in my marriage that Brent and I can have a bad day and I can look back and I can see the problem was me. I can see the issue was it was, it, it was my fault. It was, it was because of something inside me that I didn't get what I wanted. Brent always tells me that it's her. It's not, it's me. Uh, well, it's both of us at various times. You know, we're both lousy sinners, but uh, we're saved by grace. Amen? All right. All uh, right. Uh, it, and it brings regret, it brings guilt, and, and here we go. And we all know it, don't we? Your sin and my sin interrupts our relationships with people all the time, doesn't it? You know, we're selfish, you know, and, and boy, this is hard with husbands and wives, isn't it? You, let's say, uh, husbands and wives, that you get a Christmas bonus, 
right? Someone gets a Christmas bonus. I tell you what's going to happen in that household is that both of them are going to come up with ideas with how the money ought to be spent. And both of them want their way. True? You know what that is? Sinful nature in us wanting our way, insisting on our way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that love doesn't do that. Well, I do, though. You know, it, but it's sin in me. It's sin alive in me, and, and, it, and it wears its ugly head all the time. You know, Romans chapter 7, Paul's talking. He says, the things that I want to do, I keep not doing. And the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And he ends that, 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 that chapter by saying, basically, what a wretched man I am that I can't follow through with the good things, but the bad things I keep doing. What a wretched man I am. Yeah? You ever felt that way? Let me, uh, let me say this too. Um, have you ever been, I was just talking to someone the other day, I won't say who it was, but I was just talking to someone the other day who said, I'm tired of the person that I've become. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. Have you ever had that in your life? I've had it. I've had that a number of times. I tell you what. But you know, you get to a place where God begins to show you what His plan and what His desires are for you, for how you act or how you behave or what you do or how your heart ought to be. And you show, you know, you look, take a look inside, and you say, "I'm nowhere near that." And you just finally, you just become so sick of yourself and so sick of where you are that you just give up. You want to give up and say, "Lord, I'm hopeless." There's something wrong with me. I can't get to where you want me to go. But I just want to tell you one more time. I believe in the power of the gospel. And every one of us is on a journey with God where here he is one thing at a time, laying it out in front of us, and he's saying, this is broken in you. You let me prune it. You let me refine that, and you let me fix it. And then we're going to move on to the next thing. Yeah? And then you let me move on to the next thing. And very graciously, as God always deals with us, very graciously and very mercifully, God takes that thing one thing at a time, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's bitterness, whether it's some sin that you struggle with, and he begins to mend those things one thing at a time. Thank God for his faithfulness. He doesn't leave us in that state. He leaves us with hope always that things are going to get better as we follow him. Yeah? All right. Here's the other thing is um, here's the other problem, part of the problem is that sin is deceitful. Sin is tricky. Sin is stealthy. Sin, sin will exist in my heart and in your heart, and we sometimes, because of sin, we can't see it. Yeah? You know, um, I like to think of myself as the most generous person on the face of the earth. However, I've proved out a few times that sometimes I want uh, for me before I want for other people. I like to think of myself in terms of being very kind and very patient with people. And then there will be someone who's really irritating, who destroys this self-image that I've erected of myself. Yeah. I like <laughs> Someone had that happen this week, apparently. All right. I'm terrible at seeing my own sin, and so are you. We're just terrible at seeing it. We give ourselves excuses. We self-justify what we do. We think we're right all the time, and everyone else must certainly be wrong because it can't be me, right? Uh, but uh, uh, but that, that's kind of where we live. Um, but here's the great thing is that God has provided for us a community of people who also are sinners, who are also children of grace, who are also on the journey of growing with God, who can help us see 
our sin and deal with it. Who can speak into our lives very honestly and very truthfully and tell us, you know, you said this and I think this is what you meant. I think this is where that came from. And it's devastating and it's hard and it's difficult and no one of, none of us wants to do that kind of thing. Uh, but how else are we going to get any better? How else do we grow? How else, uh, how else are we going to become more like Jesus Christ? Then we open our doors, open our hearts, open our minds to someone else that we trust and say, can you read into my life? Can you help me figure out what's going on? Can you be real honest with me about what's going on in my heart and my mind? so that by the grace of God, the gospel will begin to have an effect on that area of my life, and I might not be stuck like this forever. Yeah. It's funny, in our culture, we hire personal trainers. We hire consultants to do all kinds of things for us in business. But we have no one speaking to us about the most important parts of our life, our spiritual walk with God. No one. We don't want anyone in there, do we? I don't want anyone being that honest with me. I don't want anyone telling me that I was wrong. I want to think that I was right. I want to think that I was correct. I want to think that I don't struggle with that sin. Yeah. You need to see where that leads is that you never escape that. You never get out of it. You'll always be struggling with that unless you pick up and take off with the grace that God has given you right around you. Yeah. I printed off... Uh, some things that you've got there with you, the, the sheet that I handed out. Um, what I want you to do, we're going to read these verses. This will be quick, I promise. Uh, we're going to read these verses, but what I want you to do is I want you to look to see what it says we're supposed to be doing for each other in these verses, okay? So pay attention to that as you, as you, as you read these verses with me. And I want, what I want you to do, if you've got a pen, underline what it says about what the command about what we're supposed to do for each other in these, okay? Um, but here's the deal. is that This all says, basically these are all verses that says what kind of community we're supposed to have together, right? What kind of fellowship we're supposed to have together? What, what is the characteristic? What, are, what is my relationship and your relationship in the church supposed to look like, all right? From Hebrews chapter 3, verse, verses 12 through 14. Would someone read that, please? Don't be shy. Thank you, sir. All right, yeah, that's right. So what's the command? What are we supposed to be doing to, for each other daily? Encouraging each other. Now, why does it say we're supposed to encourage, or how, or how are we supposed to encourage? What's the effect supposed to be? I'm sorry? So our, hard, our hearts aren't hardened by what? By sin. The, by the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah. Okay. So whose responsibility is it that none of us turns away from God? Basically, that term in the Greek is basically becomes apostate, right? That no one in our midst becomes apostate. Whose responsibility is that? It's us collectively. It's our responsibility to watch out for each other, that we don't get ensnared by sin 
And even though it's deceitful and can harden our hearts and turn us away from God, it's our responsibility together to watch, that, watch out for each other to make sure that's not happening. Yeah? To keep each other from being deceived and ensnared. I just want to ask you real quickly before we move on, who is capable of being ensnared and hardened and turning away from God? Everybody but me, right? Isn't that what we think, though? Everyone but me could be, and so we've got to watch out for him. No, 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 no. You need to watch out for me, and I need to watch out for me because sin is deceitful. It'll sneak up behind you. It'll harden your heart before you know what's happened. And it has the, the ability to turn us away from God or to show us that maybe we never belong to him. All right. Next thing in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Someone read that, please. All right, so what are we supposed to do in that one? Speak the truth in love. Who are we supposed to speak the truth in love to? Each other. Yeah. What else? The last part of it is that each, each, each part of the body is doing its work, right? So in the body, we're all supposed to be doing what God has enabled and gifted us to do. We're supposed to be doing. And, and as that happens, the body all grows up into the head and becomes mature as each part is doing its work and as we're speaking to each other in love. We'll talk about that more another time. The next thing is uh, Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Would someone read that, please? All right. So what are we supposed to do in this verse? We're supposed to what? Carry each other's burdens and restore those who have fallen into sin. Restore and carry each other's burdens. Right? So whose business is it if I fall into sin? This is something, you know, I was just talking to Clay and Sherilyn a little bit last night. We have kind of a cultural thing in the South. I, I consider us in the South. I don't know. Are we in the South? Midwest? Whatever we are. Um, we're not that far South for if we're in the South. Uh, we have this kind of thing where we don't like to talk about things that are uncomfortable. We're kind of too polite for that. You know what I mean? Whereas you take someone from like New Jersey and they'll say something offensive to you just because that's their nature, you know? They're just offensive people, you know? Uh, uh, that was probably bad. I probably shouldn't have said that. But, you know, but they don't mind just saying something. They don't care so much about, it's not part of their culture that they don't offend people. But here in the South, we don't want to offend each other so much. Well, let me tell you, both are bad. If, all I care, if I don't care about being offensive to you, that's not necessarily good. But if I care so much about not offending you that I won't talk to you about something very serious, also bad, right? Because sin is deceitful. It can harden your heart. And if I care about you, I've got to say something. Speaking the truth in love with the desire to restore. Not to be right, not to beat someone up, but to restore. All right. The last thing from Hebrews chapter 10. Would someone read that, please?
Very good, thanks. And what, so what are the commands in this verse that we're supposed to do for each other? Bless you. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. What else? Encourage one another. Mm-hmm. Encourage one another. Meet together. Be together. That's a community that we're supposed to have together. And let me say this very quickly about, about the church. Until the church is doing the community as God desired the community to be done, the community outside the church will never be changed. Are you with me? Until the community in here is changed, the community outside can never be affected, can never be changed. Yeah? Are you with me? Um, I want to close with just this last slide. Um, this is directly from uh, Dr. Paul Tripp. Relationships are not a luxury. They are essential uh, for God's work in our lives. We can't do what we've got to do as a body if we're not acting like a body together. We have to have relationships where people can speak to us and we can speak to them in, in, in truth and in love together. The next thing is that we need each other to hold on, to grow, and to mature in our faith. We need each other to, to hang on to our faith. Um, Dr. Paul Tripp, and I've heard it from someone else, is that, is that my spiritual growth and your spiritual growth is a, is a group project. It's a community project together. This is not just me and my relationship with God and you and your relationship with God. This is us and our relationship together and our relationship to God together because we are a body of Christ here together. The last thing is this. It's a very hard, hard thing. If you want to know the true quality of your relationships with God, look at the quality of your relationships with others. I hate that one, but I think it's true. Look at the quality of the relationships with others. If you want to know, if you want to get a, a litmus test on, on how your relationship with God is, how's your relationship with other people? I, yeah, that's a difficult one. Let me tell you, church, this is an area that I'm going to really be focusing on us growing, and I mean me too. Uh, but this is important. What I'd like to leave you with this week is this, is that I want you to be mindful and prayerful this week. Here's your assignment. Are you ready? This is your homework. I want you to be mindful and prayerful this week. Be thinking and praying about who is it in your life that you've like taken the carte blanche, you know, the card, and given to and said, I give you the right to speak into my life. Now, your spouse is a great place to start, and they need that card all the time. But somebody else... Someone else that you've given a, a, a card to that says, I give you the right to speak into my life. And let me tell you, this is someone that you need to trust. This is someone that you need to have some confidence in, right? This is not some person that you've never met before, obviously, and said, I want you to speak devastating words to me. Not, nothing like that. This is someone that you need to trust. But let me ask you, do you have someone like this in your life? And are you getting together with them to do this kind of stuff, to be encouraged, to help them hold you accountable, to help, help watch your back to make sure sin's not sneaking up behind you and, willing, wanting, and wanting to entrap you. Do you have that kind of contact with someone? Do you have that somebody in your life? Let me tell you just very honestly, I've had that in times in my life very sporadically, but I don't have it today. This is not something I'm asking you to do. This is something I want us all to grow together as a body is that we need to take our relationship with God very seriously and the way to do that is to take our relationship with each other very seriously. All right? 
Would you do that this week? Would you just pray about that this week? Who could it be? Who could be that person in my life who could have free access to speak to me and to tell me those very difficult things or to encourage me or someone that I can absolutely open up with and say, let me tell you what's going on. This is hard for me to admit or hard for me to say, but I need someone else to be in prayer for me. I need someone else to know what's going on in my life. Would you just pray? Would you consider who that might be this week? And if you don't know someone, I pray you can find them here. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's dismiss. Would you stand with me? I'm sorry I've kept you late today. Those of you who have children in the nursery or with Amber this morning, thank them profusely for me. All right? All right. Let's pray together.